bring the heart. It's time to get loud. Let's go! Because this is Betfred Super League. Bring it on. It's that time of the week again where we discuss the issues and the talking points in the big, wide, wonderful world of Rugby League. Welcome along once again to Eddie and Steve-O, the podcast, edition number 51, sponsored as always by Betfred. Well, the Challenge Cup weekend is behind us. Now, it's supposed to be the cup that cheers, Steve-O, but not for clubs outside Super League anymore. The quarterfinals comprise of eight Super League clubs, so... Here's the question for you. Are the days of the big shocks over and done with? I think you're spot on, Eddie. But when you look at the fact that Catalan struggled against Featherston, 27-14, Hull KR struggled against Lee, 24-18, it gives you the impression that perhaps Featherston and Lee are going to have to fight it out to get promoted at the end of this season. They played exceptionally well, and uh, it, it could have been a real upset on the cards. But Holkar, Catalan, they just got over the line. They did. Sadly, you know, I looked at the, the figures, uh, the crowds, they're way down. Wigan, just a shade over 6,000. I mean, the ground looked empty. But that is the best attendance of last weekend. Don't tell me the Challenge Cup's losing its magic, is it? Well, it's always been debatable in regards to the fact that when you buy a season ticket for your club, they never seem to put together that you can use it for the Challenge Cup games. Now, I've always said to myself, you know, just add an extra couple of quid on the season ticket in the hope that perhaps, and I'm talking about the Premiership clubs as well and the Championship clubs, is that if you have the chance to get it, let them come in with the season ticket. If you're going to show your support for your club, you know, they shouldn't have to be paying to go watch a Challenge Cup game. But that's only my opinion. I, I thought, thinking about it, that that might have crept in a couple of years ago. But looking at the crowds this year, I don't think it's there now. That These crowds... Are down, and when you think with the streaming services we've got now and all the television channels we've got now, it's not a good look. It's not a good look to see vast swathes of empty seats for the premier knockout competition in the world of rugby league. Is it? Yeah, it's spot on again. It's uh, I can't believe it. You've, you you're going good this morning, uh, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, it, it won't last. Don't worry about that. No, that's for sure. I know a lot of fans that say, "Well, I'm not paying." I'm not paying for it. I'm a season ticket holder. I'm not paying to go watch a Challenge Cup game because I don't see it on TV. Simple as that. But I said no shocks. Now then, 
is Castleford beating Leeds at Headingley and Wakefield winning at Warrington. Were they shocks, do you think? I think Wakefield winning at Warrington certainly surprised me. And that just shows how well Wakefield are building up. And it's nice to know that for one city, will they get something done with their ground? You and I, we have known for years and years and years, I don't know how many spades or shovels have been where they say, this is the new, this is the sod that we're turning for the new ground. But once again, they're saying that they're going to pull down one of the stands and rebuild it. 2,500. Yes, yes that's right. The, the main stand, the old main stand to be replaced by the 2,500 seat capacity uh, uh, construction and it will all start in July let's keep our fingers crossed that it does and when the new ground is eventually the redeveloped ground is eventually built you never know what they're going to be watching because I mean you say that the Wakefield win at Warrington was a bit of a shock but they repeated what they did last weekend at Warrington they took them to the cleaners last week okay it was a bit tighter this week but they, they beat them again the Wakefield came to Warrington and beat them again well, a lot of times when the clubs move or get the ground upgraded, uh, they go through uh, and the influence the supporters so that they can come in and say, look, you know, that I want to get a season ticket early. Let's hope that, that by the fact that they're giving better facilities at Wakefield, that they'll have better crowds. They've got a really, really good following. And they are playing well. And as you say, you know, to beat Warrington... Look, a lot of people thought Warrington, with with uh, Daryl Powell taking over this year, that they would be up there as one of the favourites to get to the grand final. It hasn't turned out. Leeds were touted because they bought so many players. And when you look at the Leeds outfit, with it, they have got good, experienced players. But they said, and look, Richard Agar was quite straight to the point, he just said, look, I've lost the players. They need a new voice. Well, they had a new voice with JJB. And when you think about it, obviously the voice wasn't good enough. Now, that means that all those players should have a look into the mirror and say, maybe we're at fault, not the coaches. Well, the coach always gets it in the back of the next Evo because at Warrington, again, for instance, the natives here are getting restless. Daryl Powell booed off the field at the end of the match at the weekend and he's admitting it's tough to take and that this job is proving a bigger challenge than he thought well it, as soon as you start losing Eddie that's when the pressure is on that's when it gets to a situation whereby I have to turn it around but also the Warrington players maybe they should have a look in the mirror maybe it's their problem not the coaches and we've known it for years and years you know let's blame the coach it's quite easy. But sometimes let's blame the players. They're not look, they're not playing to the top of their their form. They're out of form, etc. and so forth. But they've got to start getting themselves together. Not and, and, and say, take a look at yourself. What are you doing wrong? Try to change it. Don't just point the finger and blame the coach. How many times have we seen that over the years? Oh, the coach has to go. Coach is well, no good. Exactly. It's the coach that gets the bullet. It's not the players because yeah. y you can keep a coach, but he can't play for you on, on a Saturday, Sunday, or Friday, or a Thursday. You know, and, but it is. It's down to the players, really. Yeah, is. of course it. Well, of course it. Will. I mean, 
all those players should look at the result. Castleford 40, Leeds 16. Okay? It was a lot closer, of course, at Warrington, 12-16 to Wakefield. But when you look at the thing, they've got to just say, listen, lads, let's pull together. Because if, if they're not playing as a unit, you know, some t listen, <laughs> I know that a lot of players can fall out with one of your fellow players in a team. It happens all the time. It's not all, you know, oh, everything's fine and dandy. Sometimes, you know, somebody gets gets dropped and he says says to his mate, oh, you know, there's no good the coach, etc. and so forth. It's, it's, they're human beings. You know, some people get what you could call sort of irritated by being dropped because you're not playing well. It's difficult for a coach. But as you say, they get the golden bullet. Yeah, they do. They do. I mean, it's obviously not the start that Jamie Jones Buchanan would have wanted. He, he has come out and said habitual and cultural problems at the Leeds Rhinos. Well, obviously. Look at the results. They've won, they won one game. So, you know, the finger pointing us to now, you can't, you can't blame JJB. And he said, you know, habitual cultural problems. I know. That's, that, that's deep thinking. You know, uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Well, it does. It surprised me that he's come out with those two words in regards to I expected that at least we put in a little bit better effort or at least we sort in a few things out. But, that, I mean, that's deep. That's, that's not just about the, the style of play that we're doing. That, to me, indicates that there's a fallout within the players. Yeah, the problem Otherwise, is, is deep-rooted, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. Must be. Well, when you get... Look, is an experienced uh, ex-player, JJB, habitual and cultural? Wow. Big words. Uh, that, that, means, that means that it, uh, it needs a big sort-out, at least. It does. Well, it, it, it does need a big sort-out because they've had the worst start to the summer era. Um, Jamie Jones says it'll take time to fix. And he says if a new man comes in sooner rather than later, he would welcome him on board because he's a Leeds fan at heart. So he's obviously feeling it. I mean, he was the assistant coach, wasn't he, before he took the step up, so he knows what's going on. Yeah, and and I think that perhaps because he's a Leeds fan, he's had to think to himself, should I say something? Should I stand up and say before he was appointed and Richard Agar was, was sacked? Sometimes it's difficult to be able to get the message across not only to the coach but to his fellow players or the people that run the organisation. But it, it spells to me those two words that it is a deep problem. You are correct, Eddie. Well, talking of the next Leeds coach, here we go. Tony Smith is now being touted for a comeback. <laughs> typically, typically, Tony says he's given it zero thought. But he has had a contract, I think, at the end of the year at Hulkingston Rovers. I wonder if this is, I wonder if this is the hook that's baited for the officials at Hulk KR to come in and sort him out with a new deal. Well, it would help, wouldn't it? But we, we, we've not got inside information in regards to what is in Tony Smith's contract, etc. But I'm sure that he's done a fine job at the Hulkingston Rovers. Uh, why would you want to get rid of him? Uh, there's always the saying, you know, never look back, never go yeah. back. Yes. Uh, and, and, and I think that over the years, it's very rare that someone has come back to the club and saved them 
It's very rare, that. Now, Catalan Dragons, they got past Featherstone, despite a flu bug raging through the camp, apparently. The game only settled to uh, the Catalans' favour by a Tyrone May and a Tom Davis try late on. Featherstone gave it a real go, didn't they? And, and here's another fellow, of course, with Leeds connections, Brian McDermott. Um, I don't think that the Leeds would do any worse than pick up the phone to Brian and say, come back and sort us out. Do you? Well, it's going to be difficult yet again. Um, would Brian say, well, you got rid of me before or I left, mm. etc." So there's got to be a reason why he leave. Either someone's offered you more money at another at another club, etc., etc. Um, but we said it last week in regards to the fact that Featherston and Lee, the way that they played against Catalan and Hulkington Rovers, uh, has made it very difficult for those clubs who are trying to avoid the wooden spoon and, of course, relegation. Because remember the shock win from Toulouse. Yeah, that certainly that certainly put <laughs> put them into a, a lot of a quandary, and the mere fact that Featherston and Lee and Barrow are playing exceptionally well, and I reckon it's going to be a, a, a bigger scrap uh, at the bottom of the league rather than look at the top of the league, because when you get to the top of the league, Eddie, you've got the playoffs, you've got an opportunity to you know get yourself sorted out. But when it comes to bottom club, see you later. <laughs> You've yeah. got nowhere to go. You don't no. have a second chance. The only way to go is through the trap door. And, and Featherstone, Barrow, Lee, as you say, they're all waiting to take the big step up. And, and Featherstone did give it again against Catalan Dragons. And now they've signed Mark Corellia, the former Toulouse player, the big star from Toulouse for their promotion push. They, you know, they could they could just make it. This could be the the you know the star signing that they need. Well, look, McDermott's very confident, and the way that, that he's got them playing, I've, I have to agree with him. They have got to be strong favourites, but anything can happen. There could be a run of injuries. We know that, but they're certainly playing uh, well enough. And who knows? It's um, oh, the pressure, and the pressure once again onto the coaches, and mm. then the pressure then comes on to the players that's right and of course the pressure goes on the players goes on the coaches it never goes onto the boys who are in the boardroom does it the swilling the white wine and the gin and tonics they get the pressure and then they pull the bullet they pull the trigger rather don't they um, the gin and tonic boys they they seem to escape it don't they they do but by, the, but by the same token those gin and tonic champagne well maybe not champagne um, but especially top quality white wine is that they have the ability to put in a lot of time and a lot of money. So you can't always criticise the board of directors of any club because um, without them, some clubs would not exist. Very true, very true. One of the cup-talking points, Steve-O, Connor Wynn. He was the subject of that tackle that got Will Price the 10-match ban last week. He came up with a hat-trick in Hull's win over... Sheffield Eagles remember the team that won it in 1998 the massive cup upset against Wigan that year what a difference what a difference a week makes for a player one week he's being dumped on his head and the next week he gets a hat-trick in a cup win fantastic yeah it, it, it was great news I mean it was wonderful news that uh, Connor Wynn uh, got up from uh, from the tackle but what a way to celebrate that he got away with it well done Connor Wynn it's um 
But it was a big win by Hull, wasn't it? Oh, massive. Yeah, huge, huge. And, you know, they are coming good at the right time as well. But Salford at Wigan, Warrington and Leeds, they all fall at the first hurdle. The quarterfinal keeps alive a possible Saints-Wigan final or a whole derby final. And, of course, we have in the quarterfinals a repeat of the grand final. St. Helens go to Perpignan. Both sides just one defeat all year. The Dragons at Saints in round one and St. Helens in Toulouse a couple of weeks ago. What a mouth-watering quarterfinal this one's going to be. Yeah, it certainly is. Huddersfield uh, versus Hull, and as you say, Catalan Saints. And it'll be a full house down in Perpignan. I mean, that is a one positive thing about the, the Challenge Cup this particular season, is that you won't be able to buy a ticket down in Catalan. I mean, you know... It's one of these games where they played in the grand final against each other. It was very, very close there. So I'm hoping that it's a full house. It should be. Uh, Wakefield versus Wigan. Um, at Wakefield, you know, they could spring a surprise. They're playing okay. And, of course, whole KR at home to Castleford. Uh, the only thing that Lancashire and Yorkshire can be thinking about, apart from, let's hope, if they're saying that Saints will beat Catalan, is that we could have all Lancashire final or all Yorkshire final. Yeah, actually, that's right, because Huddersfield and Hull take on each other in the other quarterfinal. And earlier on in the year, they thought that the, the pendulum had swung dramatically after three or four rounds of Super League to the west side of the Pennines, because I think Wigan, Warrington, Saints, they all held the top three positions. Now it's, it's turning back again. It's turning back on itself. <laughs> At the start of the season, there was only Huddersfield. The Giants were the, really the only ones that, that were up there with the big boys. Simple as that. But as you say, uh, it's taken Hull a little bit to get into the swing of things. And I think you'd have to say um, that Castleford also has taken taken them a little bit of time to get, into, get involved in it. So <clears throat> let's hope that the crowds increase. As you said, we're very disappointed with the crowds uh, for the quarterfinals. Yeah, the quarterfinals and the semi-finals to come, we should see a boost in the Challenge Cup crowds with, with all that going on. Um, let's have a look at some other uh, talking points. Um, I notice that um, Lee Radford has said that Joe Westerman is the best number 13 in the game at the moment after his Man of the Match performance at the weekend. I agree. He's playing out of his skin. And he's playing strong enough to maybe, maybe sneak in. If he continues in this vein of form, that he may be selected for the World Cup. Now, we only really have two individual players strong that have the ability to offload into the tackle. There's not many in Super League. And the likes of Wormsley and Westerman, they're always looking for the ability to spin and turn and offload in the tackle. And we know how important that is. Because you get more breaks when someone comes through. It's not about the bash and barge. And let's face it, at times, the game can go through that. You know, sometimes you get 20 minutes where it's just, you know, five drives and a kick. Where have we got Wormsley and Westerman? They're playing out of their skin. But the ability to offload is something that we need for the World Cup. 
because New Zealand and Australia and you know teams like Samoa they're not going to be easy to beat so we've got to have someone who's got the ability the skill factor I mean so how many coaches over the years have taken so much skill factor out of a player and turned him into a battering ram that's, yeah that's I've a good said, point that is a good point would you would you put Westerman in ahead of say Morgan Knowles at St Helens well, it's difficult. I mean, I would put Knowles definitely in the squad. Uh, that's the one advantage of it. You don't have to just have uh, one particular player in one particular uh, position. Um, look, he's a very fine player, enthusiastic, and but we need ball handlers. They just seem to have disappeared in in this modern era of rugby league. And that's what we need. You're right. It won't be five drives and a kick that will, will get us through in the World Cup. There's no question about that. No question. No, uh, spot on. Oh, but I tell you what, Eddie. You're doing well. Spot on, so, oh, I tell you what. Doing well today. Doing well today. I don't think anyone else will agree with me, but as long as you are, that's yeah. all right. <laughs> uh, by the way, by, <laughs> by the way, did you drink all that champagne? Yes, I did. Every single drop. I raised a glass to you. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Uh, wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Well, I enjoyed the tea. Good lad, good lad. About time. Give those uh, the livers and the kidneys a rest. Okay, Steve-O, uh, Aussie news. Um, only week two, but uh, some great games, as always, in the NRL. And this Herbie Farnworth, who you mentioned last week, he's continuing to grab the headlines, isn't he? He's only 22. He comes from a village near Pendle in Lancashire with less than a 1,000 residents. But he is really continuing to catch the eye. Two tries again this last weekend, albeit in the defeat against North Queensland. He's a very fine player, and he has developed well up in Brisbane. And he's gaining the confidence every single game. I've been watching him for the last two seasons, and you could see that his confidence is growing. So he's taking on the defence a lot more. He's got a fine step, really fine step, uh, and he's got a bit of a speed off the mark as well, which is always good for a centre. But Farnworth is playing out of his skin, so he's certainly not out of the realms of being selected for this upcoming World Cup. He is, and he's English as well, a little bit like Gareth Widdop. He, he's learnt his trade in Australia, Widdop from Halifax, this lad from, from Pendle, so he has all the criteria in place to catch Sean Wayne's eye no question about that I wonder if he yeah. wonder if he will I wonder if he will well it may be a bit of a gamble but um, it, it will be difficult to, because it'll only mean that he has maybe two weeks to sort of fit into what Sean Wayne's tactics are going to be but I've seen it done before and uh, listen if he's playing out of his skin we will be foolish not to select him simple as that one thing that's really, really made me proud, Eddie, is that my old club, Penrith, they're the only team unbeaten in the NRL. They look to be favourites to retain the, uh, the grand final. They'll pick up that trophy again. Yeah, they had a good win against Newcastle Knights and the Rabbitohs got uh, one over uh, the Roosters. They're great rivals. Yeah, and it, it, of course, the media were pinpointing the fact that uh, Lateral Mitchell was coming back for South Sydney. Now, last season, Lateral Mitchell was suspended because he, he broke, he shattered the cheekbone of Joey Manu. 
And this was the first time that both Manu and Mitchell had actually played against each other since that horrific shot on his face from lateral Mitchell. Uh, the one good thing about it was that they shook hands and embraced and got on with it. So this, there was no real friction between it. But Mitchell was in absolute sensational form. Is the sort of guy, uh, he, he upsets people, but he's a great player. He, he, he's outspoken and he, he gives it to the press. And when he's, he scored the try nearly the length of the field and he just banged his fist against the badge of the South Sydney uh, shirt and the crowd just went crackers. He's a showman, he's a great player. And I do hope that he gets selected for Australia for the World Cup because this guy is something different. Big, hard to put down and not frightened to irritate people. I sort of <laughs> like players like that. A bit like yourself. Big, not frightened to <laughs> irritate people. You, you could be looking in the mirror yourself. <laughs> anything, anything else you want to tell us about, Steve-O, before we go? Yeah, well, down in Australia, there was an amazing game between Canberra and the Gold Coast Titans. Gold Coast were leading, would you believe, 22-0, one minute before half-time. It looked as though they were going to walk away with it. They scored just before the half-time whistle to make it 22-6. Gold Coast in the second half failed to score another point and Canberra, with three minutes remaining, scored to make it a win, 24-22. Fantastic. One of the greatest comebacks I think I've ever seen. I know a lot of people in the UK were actually watching that game, and quite a few of them have been in contact and said, at half-time, I turned it off, because it was so one-sided. <laughs> and they couldn't believe it that Canberra had come back. 24-22. To be fair, it wasn't the best game in, reg in regards to quality, but for excitement, the way that the Canberra Raiders came back and pipped them by two points. Amazing. Fantastic. I mean, that's what makes the game so good when you get comebacks and wins like that. Even though the, the, you know, the standard's not brilliant, to see a comeback like that, absolutely Fantastic. Okay, Steve-O, good to talk as always. I hope you've enjoyed your cup of tea. We've been hearing you slurping at it all the way through this week's podcast. Go, go and put the kettle on. We'll see you next week. Ta-da!